Welcome, world. Welcome. I'm excited. It's another amazing episode of the Narrow Road Podcast. Yes, that's right. It's episode number two, where I say, Jonathan Jones, your host, says things that are definitely going to get under your skin, or at least make you hopefully think about how you are and how you live in church today. So listen, um, episode one was definitely about Dave Chappelle and all the things that related to how well I think he would be as my pastor uh, of whatever church you know he is over. I would just be an amazing musician for him because I know that he will be speaking the truth on whatever platform that he's on. But that's not what today's episode is about. So if you have not checked out episode number one where there is no video, I apologize. I did my best, but the camera just literally uh, turned off in the middle of my broadcast. So I guess it was never meant to be for that video that video to ever launch. But this time, I do have a video, right? We have video, we have audio, things are moving. I'm excited, but this is the second episode. In this episode, I want to kind of dive into how much the church has kind of become not that serious anymore these days. Uh, let's, let's hop right into the intro. Hit it. So, you're sitting in church, watching a sermon, listening to the man of God speak, and you're just sitting there and you're like, man, God, you know, you're awesome. You're, I'm just so grateful for you bringing me here today in this building, and you're just been a good father, a good, good father. You know, you done heard good, good father, you know, and you're just excited to hear what the sermon is about, and all of a sudden, in the middle of this sermon, this transpires. I don't know if you've ever been here. Marcus was not about to stop punching, swinging on whoever that was on the front row of that pew. Marcus had enough. Marcus was sick of it. And literally, if you saw earlier in the video, Marcus like literally is about to act like he's about to walk by him and just gives him a two-piece real quick, you know? And when this video hit, uh, everybody, man, had a comment to make about it. And of course, it was this, like hysteria. It was funny. It was good to laugh about it. But when you kind of peel back the layer of this humor that happens, it's actually really not that funny that in the middle of a church service, someone can feel so compelled to still fight somebody in the not not like somebody end up there speaking. It's not like they're just in the middle of doing the greetings. You know what I'm saying? You know how the church does the greetings and you're walking around and then you start saying somebody swing. I mean, I don't know if that makes it any more normal or not, but it wasn't that point in the service, right? This was actually literally the man speaking. He walks up, he just starts swinging on him. And I, I felt a way about it because I felt like we really kind of got to dive into this a little bit more, right? As far as it it means the church, within the church walls of the things that you see in church, it kind of made me feel like, and I hope it made you feel like, what is happening in church today? Like, is church still the church of yesterday or 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago? Where it used to have some sense of, like, reverence. You, you know, you remember you couldn't even run in a church at one point? These people are literally swinging on each other in the church. Like, right now, swinging on each other in the middle of the church service. And... It, it kind of led to a deeper thing. It's a deeper issue that I wanted to make sure we talked about on the podcast number two. And it's the deeper issue that people don't respect the church anymore. They literally just don't care about where they are. It's not just that they don't respect the church. Also, they also, um, what I've seen in this video, they also don't really care about God. And I hate to just be that blatant and honest, but if you really think about it, for someone to get to the point where they're in a space where their own issue, Whatever with that person has superseded the space in which they are at. 
where they're at church, right? You're in the middle of a service and you still feel the need to swing on somebody. So it, it makes me, it begs into question, uh, is the church still effective in 2022? That's a really, that's a real question that I have. I mean, really take a moment to just think about it for your own life, wherever you are, driving your car, sitting at work, uh, cleaning your house, whatever you're doing right now, I have no clue. I have no idea where anybody is right now. I'm clear, currently in my basement, but no matter where you are, right? Is the church still effective in 2022? And if I were to answer that question as a 36-year-old male uh, who has been in church all his life, I would say the church has lost a lot of its effectiveness, a lot of its ability to be able to change and transform lives in a real way. I think it's not happening. I think the church thinks most churches think that they're doing this great work. I think they believe, you know, deeply inside of them that, oh, no, we're changing the culture one person at a time. But I think it's more of a this is what we desire to do. But with the, the goals that they actually hit, um, they don't fall in line with what they desire to do. And honestly, if we're really, really being honest, they desire to do a thing that they don't pay that much attention to. And they being the church don't really make sure that they like ensure that they hit those goals by what they do from a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And by that, this by that, I mean this. Um, when we teach on scripture and we teach on it often, hopefully at scripture, uh, scripture at churches or what have you, you, you kind of want to dig deep to what are those scriptures that related to this situation? One, honestly, this was viral. I don't know of many churches that even talked about this. I don't know. You, maybe you have experience wherever you are. People talked about it as soon as it came out and maybe made a whole lesson about it. But I didn't really get a whole bunch of lessons about it from any churches that I have heard, uh, whether online or in person or whatever. No one was talking about Marcus, okay? And so the reality is I had to go to the scripture to see, like, how do we handle conflict in the church or how are we supposed to handle conflict in the church? And it's funny. I was It made me think back to that Matthew 18 scripture where Peter's talking to Jesus. He's like, yo, Peter's like, he came up to Jesus and said, like, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And, and I forgive him. And he says as many, I mean, Peter says as many as seven times. And then Jesus says to him, I do not say to you seven times, but I say 77 times. Basically saying there is no shortage of amount of times that you should be forgiving your brother repeatedly, you know. And so it, it kind of brought me back to the fact that the church doesn't really deal with things. And I'm, I, again, I, guys, I always speak from broad strokes. I'm not speaking um, from a, a lens or vantage point in which like every church does this in America. Right. Like, But certain churches really have 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 gone away from making sure that they stay on point with the the, the scriptural lens of things versus what actually is, is, is happening in those church spaces. And so what often happens is like we kind of create our own rules. We create our own um, uh, policies and procedures or whatever the culture is in that space. We create those things, but it, we don't ever really look back to scripture that informs us of how to handle those things. And actually also in Matthew 18, it literally informs us of how to deal with a brother or sister that has sinned against you. It tells us how to do it. It's funny because you you would think with the way that culture uh, handles, you know, how we handle things in culture today in churches, you would think that we have no manual, that there is no scripture that speaks to how to deal with conflict and speaks to how to deal with people and how to deal with God's people, especially or whatever. You would think that Jesus didn't talk about it. Oddly enough, he did. And so in Matthew 18, 15 through 17, he says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone, if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And if he refuses to listen to all of them, tell it to the whole entire church. 
if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now, there is a couple of things like when it comes to the scripture that I know are a little bit confusing because it's like, yo, all right, cool. So my brother defend me. I'm supposed to basically do these steps. Right. Of course. Right. And but that last piece of that scripture, people, I mean, theologians are trying to determine whether Jesus means we should excommunicate that person or treat them because it says, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Um like, do we excommunicate them? Because Jesus kind of hung out with some tax collectors and some Gentiles, like, along the way. So it kind of is a, 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 you know, a space where we don't have any real clarity to a certain degree. But it does give us a step-by-step -step manual, a step-by-step -step process as to how we should be as believers and how we should procedurally, like, regain or uh, uh, be able to heal that broken relationship without going and swinging on each other. It's odd that we think that that's even a, a thing, right? Uh, Galatians 6 says it like this, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, sin, or a, a, some, uh, something against the law, you who are spiritual should restore him and in, a in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And I thought that was a great scripture, another great scripture for the church. But it, what I thought was interesting about Galatians 6, 1, it says, you who are spiritual should restore him. And I think that's really the begging question within churches. You know, are, are the people in these churches, are we in these churches, are we even spiritual anymore? Like, do we literally have the lens of spirituality and do we even operate, I guess even more importantly, do we operate in that lens? Or do we actually make sure we, we do we even have control over ourselves that we can operate in that lens? And the, if we were to answer that question honestly and truthfully, from the lens or vantage point of what the church has become today, the answer is emphatically most times no. If somebody in a church says something against you and against your nature, curses your wife out, calls her a hoe, or says, "Hey man, you're you're trash," and you know, you know, somehow says something derogatory towards you, what your natural response is, I would love to know whatever that would be. Because most people wouldn't go into their prayer closet and most people would not say, let me let me pray with you and let me or let me go grab a brother. You know, let me say that I have a fault and go grab a brother and then grab two people and then, you know, take it to the, the, the church leadership or whatever and take it to the whole church. Most people would not go the procedural route because most people, if all in all honesty, as Galatians 6 says, you who are spiritual, most people aren't spiritual. They and so the, the this assumption, and I think I might have spoken of this in that last episode, but this assumption that everybody in church is spiritual, it's just not true. It's like saying everybody in the hospital is healthy. It's not true. They're actually in the hospital because they need help or they're not healthy. They there's something, there's some imbalance, you know, going on that makes them need to be in the hospital. And I think the church has created a lens or vantage point that says, no, 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 everybody here is good. Everybody here is healthy. While people literally, they're stating that from a CEO perspective or from a, a, a reverend or a minister or a pastoral perspective. But the reality of that house is like full of hospital beds with people that are dying, people that are, are broken, people that are, are not repaired properly or fixed properly people that have not been transformed by the renewing of their mind you know there's just a lot of that in the in the church but the church won't deal so why, why do i say the church won't deal i said in my first i'm definitely gonna reference my first episode um just for anyone that didn't listen to it to say this the reason i say the church won't deal is because oftentimes the church doesn't say the the hard thing 
and and I, guys, I know you don't know this. I know you probably didn't under, like know what my previous thoughts about this podcast were. You probably didn't even know this podcast even existed before today. Before today, but the reality is, the first thing I was going to name this podcast was the Hard Truth (THT), the Hard Truth. And then somewhere along the line, I got into the the Narrow Road podcast, and that's you know it really stuck out, rung out to me. I was like, I got it. That's it, the, the Narrow Road podcast. But the reason I was going to call it the Hard Truth is because I don't hear the hard truths from the the position of churches anymore. The churches have made it about one, they've made church or God or this whole idea of Christianity all about you, all about me, all about, oh, it's God, like we're the point, we're the big deal. As if, as if, right? Like, are you kidding me? We're not the big deal. God is the big deal. Jesus is the big deal. He's the reason that we have a reason to celebrate every day and every Sunday and every Easter. It's all about him. And so I don't know how the church migrated from, oh, it's all about God. It's all about Jesus. It was all biblical. In biblical times, that was what it was all about. People were willing to die because it was all about God. People were willing to be crucified because it was all about Jesus. People were willing to be stoned because it was all about God. You know what I'm saying? That was the culture. They're like, what is my life? My life doesn't even matter. We've migrated from what is my life? My life does not even matter to this is what God now has for you. And this is why God did this for you. And you're the point and you are what matters. And he just thought so much of you to go do it. for No, 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 no. It is not about me. It was never about me. But the church has has somehow evolved into this me church. It's about me, church. It's for me, church. And, and especially, don't get me even started about uh, prosperity gospel and how the prosperity gospel gives this kind of narrative that, oh, no, your blessing is coming. It's coming. Your, 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 your former days are going to be your latter and your former days and all that stuff. And it's going to be better for you in the future. And God wants to make this happen for you. He's going to make that happen for you. He's going to open up doors for you. He's going to close other doors. It's you're not the point. And I think that when we became the point, that's when church really started to die. If I could pinpoint a, a time and trajectory of like the church's decline in history, it's when we became the point and we became what, like, I'm not saying that Jesus didn't go because it says in John 3, 16, if we all know for God to love the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believed in him may not perish, but have everlasting life. So he did it. You know, he did die. He gave his only son. God did give his only son, Jesus, to die for our sins. So we are in, we are in the subject matter. But we are absolutely not the point, right? And we are not the reason. I didn't even mean to harp on this point, but I really felt like we've gotten it so confused. And this is why it's been the death of the church. Because when you make church about you, it's all about your personal preference. It's all about what you want to hear selection-wise. It's all about where's your parking space. It's all about what's the subject matter. Do I agree with it? Do I like it? If I don't like it, I'm leaving. That is a whole type of church that's like as if we're here to like – service you as a church right or if we're here to make sure you're are you happy do you are you enjoying your experience here do you are you excited about it? did you get your cup of coffee and are you relaxed and not and i'm not saying the bells and the whistles of church are bad i'm not saying that but i am saying when we made it about us the decline began there and so in a, in a culture and a church that has been created and made about us how do you then go into your community and make it about others or make it about God being talked about in your, your community or in your workplace or in your school, how do you then go when you're, it's when, the, when I'm the point, you understand what I'm saying? If I'm the point, then I don't, it goes no further than me because I'm the point. But when you create a church that says, man, 
I don't care about my life. What is my life? My life doesn't matter. Um, you know, there's a scripture that speaks, uh, and I, forgive me for not having the actual uh, scripture because I didn't even plan to go here, um, but I'll put it up here um, somewhere in the file. But it, it'll, it'll say, or on the video, I should say, it, it says, you know, except you hate mother, father, sister, brother, you know, cousin, whatever, aunt, whatever, your kids, or even your own life, you are not fit to be one of my disciples. You're not, you're not a part of my disciples. You're not, you're not, you're not a Christian. You're not a believer. You know, so it's this sense of, man, you got to hate your own life. You got to hate your own family. You got to forsake all of them for me, not not for John, but for me, God, Jesus. Right. It's it's because because you're not the point, John. I'm the point. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and whoever fits your name into that blank space. I'm not the point. He's the point. So I, I went on that long tangent and I did not mean to go off there, but I want to make sure that that's very clear. I want to say one more scripture or maybe one other or two, maybe. OK, so one more is this Hebrews 13 says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you, the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Right. So I, the reason I wanted to even point this out was because we should be looking to our leaders to be able to mirror what they're doing and how they behave in church, right? So, you know, if, if and hopefully, this is kind of thinking or believing that they have some sense of, of, of uh, I don't know, respectability or, you know, uh, they have character, right? Right. So, like, I'm hoping that your leader is that way, right? But in that mindset or in that Hebrews 13 scripture, it's basically saying, hey, look to your leaders and imitate your leaders because your leaders are the example. And I'm imagining, I'm like, in this space, how could it ever get to a point at a church if if if, if church is done right and we're imitating our leadership, how could it ever get to the point where someone swings on another person in church? Now, granted, I don't know all the history or the situation. Maybe somebody came off the street and knew that this guy went to this church and swung on him. But what could also be equally as likely is this guy's been sitting in church and he got disrespected one one time too many and walked by and decided to swing on dude. Either way, the fact that we could all sit and laugh about it and not have any sense of anxiousness about it or any sense of, man, where has the church gone to that this is an acceptable behavior? Uh, it's, it's, it's beyond me, especially when scripture speaks to it. And this is the last scripture I'm going to give about this topic. And I'm going to wrap up this episode. So James four says it like this, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? If, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you, you desire and do not have. So you murder, you covet and cannot obtain. So you, you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people do. You not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world will make himself an enemy of God. And if we're if, and so there's a scripture that speaks to, you know, us as Christians and as believers knowing we'll know them, no believers by their fruit. I also have that sitting there in the video and I'll make sure uh, and in, in the show notes as well. You will know them by their fruit, right? So them, believers, Christians, what have you. So if I swing on somebody in church, that's my fruit. That is my fruit. You know, if I steal from the store, that's my fruit. That's, that's my fruit. If I curse somebody out, you know, after that did me wrong, that's my fruit. That That's how you will know them, them, like, you know, by their fruit. So we cannot ignore 
We cannot ignore the actions of people and say, oh, yeah, no, that's fine. And I think the, the issue that I have, the biggest issue that I have with all of this, if I were to say all of the issues, is that we have become so desensitized in the church realm that this doesn't even fade us anymore, right? Um, you know, when you go to the doctor or more, I guess even more important, when you go to the dentist and they want to extract the tooth. I, one time I went to Disney World and long story short, had an issue when I left from here to go to Disney World and ended up having to get a tooth pulled while I was in Disney. Long story. I'm not going to get into it right now. I actually get sad every time I think about it. Either way, it was a Tuesday. I remember because I Monday or yeah, it was a Tuesday because Monday night I was watching football in agony. And Tuesday, I was like, I got to get this tooth pulled. I got to get it out of me. And when I went to the dentist, they they went and they 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 got they injected me right right here in my mouth with an injection, Novocaine, right, to numb that area so that they could get to the tooth. Now, I will say it was so traumatic for me. They actually never really did a good job numbing that area. They had to numb it at least four to five times. And each time they would numb it, they would try to pull at it, numb it, pull at it, numb it and pull at it just to see where my 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 pain ratios were and what's funny about this particular video i feel like it's a it's a a metric to show us that we've been numbed so much that now the enemy is doing things in the church and we don't even feel it anymore we don't even bat an eye anymore we don't even care anymore we laugh about it actually we think it's funny actually we'll share it because it's comical and so it's it's like how do we go to a big big strong God that's this amazing and 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 marvelous person that can heal the sick and and free the the people in bondage and do all these wonderful things in the kingdom realm and then we go in the same realm and we laugh about him and laugh at him and laugh at where he's supposed to dwell heavy like heavy right we'll laugh in those same spaces and then believe that God will change and transform and renew and no you can't do, you can't do tug of war here. It's either you believe strongly or he's a laughable God, right, that you don't really care about. And so I leave with this, with this thought. In our churches, in our spaces, are we allowing God to become the joke? Have we, are we, by the way in which we handle conflict, do we even look to the Bible anymore for handling conflict? Literally, Scripture tells us how to do a said thing, and we'll read it and be like, cool. And then when it actually comes and happens in our church spaces, we, we will ignore it because we don't want to deal with it because dealing with it means it's happening. And that's not about to happen. We're not about to we're not about to acknowledge something in a space or however we handle it. It's not the godly manner in which to handle or Christian manner in which to handle it. And we all know when we go that that route or that method, it's going to end in destruction it's going to end badly for us and i think that's happened over and over and over again and yet we do not learn from our mistakes so i dare us to say let's stop laughing about the things that should be that should be grieving us let us start saying hey in these church spaces maybe we should go back to what the bible says about a thing so that we can be able to heal from the thing and see some sense of like man god did that in this situation because we literally followed the instructions that he said we he you know he offended me but man i went back i went to him just he and i and we got it together we're cool now i'm so grateful i'm so glad we're brothers now and we're good and we can go from here and it wasn't me swinging on him it was me confronting him though it was me letting him know that he did this and it's not the sense of like yeah yeah we, we don't gotta fight we don't gotta swing we don't have to handle it the way the world handles it right 
We got we can handle it the way the kingdom's supposed to handle it. And I think that's that's the difference. That's the difference maker in these spaces. So I hope you enjoyed episode number two, uh, where we talk about people just swinging on people who slam out in the church. But let's do it from a lens where it's like, man, let's learn from these things and let's not be so desensitized that we no longer feel when we should be, you know, feel we no longer we laugh when we should be grieving. We are, we 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 joke and we smile when we should be like frowning and crying about it. Uh, we got to have some sense of, man, what does God care? What does God think about this? What does God think about the fact that somebody just came into his house and just started swinging? What, what if God was actually there? I hate to even assume that he was. Just because it's a church, you think he was there? I mean, he's omnipresent. He's all over the, all over the place. All, yeah, I get that part. But he also is, you know, Jesus, you know, the Holy Spirit is a spirit, right? So unless we have the spirit in us, then is he, I mean, is he in that space? Is he there transforming lives? I mean, he, yeah, yeah, he's there, but he's not there. He's in us, but man, are we, are we showing the fruit of him being in us by how we act, how we respond, how we lead in those spaces? Something to think about. This has been another great episode of the Narrow Podcast. I'm so happy that you decided to tune in with me. It won't be ever long. It's always going to be just a word, a couple of words, and, man, some scriptures and some, some dialogue. We're just talking back and forth with each other. You're my friends. You're my community. Eventually, at one point, we will have some live streams. We could really dive deep into this. But I wanted to get the podcast. I didn't want to wait. You know, we, we oftentimes, I oftentimes, man, I be waiting about stuff. I'm like, oh, I'll get to it. I'll get, no, no. Here's the second episode, and there's many more to come. Hopefully, it gets under your skin, makes you feel like, man, I got to be better in the environments in which I serve as a Christian, as a believer. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Peace.